Hello, everyone. Welcome and welcome to episode four of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker alongside Chris Baker for this episode. So last week we got uh, in detail on free agency and certain Blue Jays' offseason needs. This week we will discuss the Rays-Mariners lopsided, in my mind, trade, the Chris Bryant on the block story, uh, the Blue Jays hiring Dave Hudgens as their new bench coach, uh, the Mets general manager, the Giants' new president, the Orioles' general manager, and the latest free agency news. We will get to all that and quite possibly more on this episode. But first, how are you doing today, Chris? Fantastic. Nice of you to finally welcome me in. You like the sound of your own voice, Dylan, eh? <laughs> I do indeed. Uh, <laughs> so let's begin with, uh, with the Rays-Mariners trade. Um, I heard about the trade. We heard rumblings about the trade uh, a little bit. Uh, not not long after we recorded the podcast from last week, and I thought it was ridiculous on the race part to trade Malik Smith um, to the Mariners for Zanino and Heredia. Like that's just ridiculous. I understand there are prospects involved and stuff, but I mean that's ridiculous, it's insane because Smith hit near three hundred all year long. I'm not sure what his final average was. It was somewhere around three hundred. It was a very potent bat in the Tampa lineup. And Zanino hit 201. He's never really played tremendously in the big leagues. So, I mean, I think the Mariners won this trade by far. And I think in the future, it's going to benefit them 30,000 times more than it's going to benefit the Rays. But I want to hear your thoughts on that, too. Well, I don't have any familiarity with the, the Seattle Mariners because I'm not a big fan. But I do, uh, I do think that the Rays won this trade just from basically the little things that I've seen about Zanino and Heredia. Uh, but I, I think that what I know is true, because the Jays have had to face him a million times, is uh, – what's his face? What's his name again? Malik Smith. <laughs> from the Rays. What is it? Malik Smith. Malik Smith. Yeah, Malik Smith. For some reason, I, got, I lost track of who that was. But, uh, but anyway, he has the most potential out of this trade. I, I agree with you. For... Well, yeah, and I think that from what Smith has shown us this year and from what people are saying Malik Smith will be in the future, I don't think it's close to who's going to have more impact on a team's future between Zanino, Heredia, and Smith. But um, the Mariners won this trade in my mind. Um, well, so the Mariners got Smith and a prospect, and the Rays got Heredia, Zanino, and a prospect. Correct? Yes, they each got a prospect, and I think it's hard to say when you when you talk about trades to say who won a trade before anything's happened because you never know with injuries and things like that. Uh, that you know, I mean, you could you could even see a Zanino or a Heredia start to throw huge numbers up next year. You're really not going to know who won the trade until probably the July 31st trade deadline of next year. Yeah, I, I guess so. But from what I'm seeing from the potential, I think the Mariners won the trade. As long as Smith stays healthy, and as long as we can easily compare Smith to Heredia and Zanino, I think the Mariners won this trade. Well, the Mariners hope you're right. <laughs> Moving on now to Chris Bryant. So recently it was reported uh, that the Cubs were looking to well, might not not looking to deal Chris Bar- Chris Bryant, but said that his name was available. He was available to be traded, should anyone give them a good enough offer. And Bryant is obviously one of the premier third basemen in the league. He can hit you thirty plus home runs and drive in a hundred plus when he's healthy and when he's when he's doing well. Um, 
But, I mean, he dealt with a lot of injuries this year, and he did not produce when he was healthy. They actually ended up moving him to left field because there were better bats in the lineup than him, but they still wanted just in case they could get that potent, the potent potential out of him. Um, but I do think they're going to get a large return, so I don't think it's that bad of an idea to trade Chris Bryant. No, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a fantastic idea. They're probably at the stage where they need to move along from a couple of their guys. And I think that, you know, the Cubs have a great potential to continue their winning ways and to continue this window of competition, but I think that, and competitiveness, but I think that right now, you know, why not explore the market for Chris Bryant? Why not see who's going to overpay? Somebody's going to overpay, even if they don't overpay during the off season, hopefully they'll make them make him available around the 31st of July. If maybe they're not in it for whatever reason, although I don't think that about the Cubs, most of the time they are, but if they're not, why not shop them around and see what you can get. You can certainly get a haul for them right now. And and so see what's out there. There's nothing wrong with that. I know Cubs fans are probably losing their minds right now talking about Chris Bryant potentially being traded. But if you can get back what uh, what uh, Theo Epstein thinks he can get back on this, this potential offer or, or potential return for Bryant, why not at least explore it? Well, I think that you're going to get a big return no matter what for Bryant. I mean, we've seen what he can do. He's an MVP when he's healthy. I mean, he's, he's him and Josh Donaldson are similar players in my mind. I mean, obviously Bryant's a lot younger, but when they're healthy, they can be MVP type players. Well, and, and Cubs fans have to, they have to trust Epstein. He's a hall of fame executive, uh, potential hall of fame executive. Anyway, he's built winning teams, world series, winning teams. He's out there and he's just saying that, you know, it's that, that he'll listen on almost anybody. That doesn't mean he's going to move anybody. That just means he's listening anyway. And, and if there's a good opportunity and there's a good return out there, I mean, anybody's game. I mean, you look at the Toronto Blue Jays, I think really the only untouchable is, is Guerrero Jr. And even then, you know, if somebody offered them their whole farm, they'd probably still really seriously consider it. So for Cubs fans to freak out about Bryant being a potential trade candidate, it's just a little off their rocker a little bit. But I get it. I mean, he's a favorite player in, the, in, the, uh, in, in Chicago, and, and why not uh, freak out a little bit if he's your favorite player? But at the same time, it could better the future of the Cubs and continue the window of, of competitiveness for much longer. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think that Javier Baez has kind of taken over that fan favorite once because Bryant was injured most of the year, and uh, rightfully so. I mean, Baez had a tremendous season defensively and offensively. We finally saw the offensive potential that people had been saying he had for years. And defensively, we knew. He, he's, he's nicknamed the magician out there with how good he is he can play third, he can play short, he can play second. I'm sure he can play left field from what I've heard. So, I mean, Baez has kind of taken over that fan favorite role. So I don't think as many, as many fans are freaking out about it as they would have, say, two years ago if Epstein were listening to offers. But then again, two years ago, they had just won the World Series. So I think that pretty much the entire team was an untouchable at that point. But, yeah, uh, and even when you win the World Series, I, I'm not sure everybody's untouchable. If you're a really good executive and you know what you're doing, you look at an Alex Anthopoulos turning the Braves around really fast. You know, if you're a if you're a good executive and you know what you're doing and you can make the right moves, there were people in the Jays days that thought Brett Laurie was an untouchable, and when he got traded, people freaked out because they had no idea who Josh Donaldson it was and how'd that work out for you fans like come on like that's the the beauty of having great executives out there in the game it's the beauty of the game in general is that anybody can pick up and become a superstar and and the reality is donaldson was just becoming that superstar and they acquired him at the right time especially as laurie was on his downfall so you never know in baseball 
Well, I mean, fans have to trust executives more. Like, these guys know what they're doing. There's no, okay, listen, there's no Cleveland connection. None of that BS. The Blue Jays, Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro, I get it. They're from Cleveland. They traded Donaldson to Cleveland. They traded Joe Smith to Cleveland. But, I mean, you got Thomas Pannone back. Yeah, and sidebar there. How did people not freak out that there was a Boston connection to everything that Theo Epstein was doing when he started with the Cubs? Because they trusted him, and I think that's what Jays fans need to need to learn is that Atkins and Shapiro built that 2016 Indian team that went all the way to the World Series. They had left that year to come to the Blue Jays, so all that hard work that they had done was leading up to that World Series berth. So, I mean, we got to trust the executives more. Like, fans, these guys know what they're doing. They're not idiots. They know, that, they know that they cannot piss off the fan base, and they know that they, that they have to make decisions to keep their jobs, and they know what they're doing. They're smart. They've been in the game for a long time. So don't, you can't be, can't be exaggerating and raging over certain things that they say. It might just be to create a market on someone like a Chris Bryant. I agree. I agree. Moving on to our next topic. Um, just after, like just after, maybe 30 minutes after we had recorded last week's episode, the Blue Jays hired Dave Hudgens, Dave Hudgens out of nowhere, and no one was really expecting it. Um, but they hired him as a bench coach. He was the hitting coach for the Astros and for a couple of other teams. I think you said the A's he was the hitting coach for for a while. I believe so, yes. I'd have to triple-check that, but I believe so. And those were the years that they were very successful. And I think that um, – I think it's a pretty good hire. And everyone keeps bringing up the – including yourself. You keep bringing up the uh, – he made Altuve into the 300 hitter that he is today. But, I mean, he's not going to have that exact same influence in Toronto. He was hired as the bench coach, not the hitting coach. That's why he left Houston to get a bigger pay and a better job. But, I mean, he has a tremendous resume. He's been on – Tremendous winning teams, and um, I mean, uh, like like I've said, uh, I think I said it last week. The Jays have done nothing but impress me this offseason so far. I mean, they they said, okay, we're not going to go after these big free agents, which was which was expected of them. But I mean, it was good for them to say we're not doing it, just so that fans were like, oh, are you going to maybe after Bryce Harper? No, they're not. My office has done nothing but impress me this offseason. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that Hudgens, I mean, it was funny to see the garbage clowns on Twitter getting all freaked out about Hudgens. Who is this guy? I don't know him. And the, the, the problem with the Jays fans is this is exactly what they do. Their initial reaction is to bash Shapiro or, or berate Atkins and call them Shatkins and all the different things that they call them on Twitter. But the, but they, they simply don't know baseball, name, and that's though. the most frustrating thing. But, uh, but when you look at this higher overall, and whether he's coming in as the hitting coach or he's coming in as the bench coach, he's another voice. So whomever they actually hire as their batting coach, it's not going to matter as much because he's, they've got Hudgens in there anyway. If somebody needs to, if somebody needs to have some advice outside of the hitting coach, he's going to be a voice in the clubhouse that can help. And that, and given what he's done with players, like you said, of a, like Altuve and others over the past number of years in his career, it's a huge voice for the Jays to have in that, uh, in that clubhouse. And the reality is you're not going to be able to pry him away from Houston as a hitting coach. So you have to give him the bench coach role. It's a promotion that's going to make him move. He's not moving as a hitting coach because he already has that job. So the only way to get somebody like that of that pedigree is to, is to give him a promotion. And he's still that hitting voice, 
even in the clubhouse now. So for Jays fans to freak out that, ah, he's not the hitting coach, it's not a big deal because he's still that voice in that clubhouse. I agree with that, definitely. And I think the Blue Jays have a very loyal, loyal fan base. I mean, we're very passionate about the game. They're passionate uh, the, those about the who are fans. Don't get me started right? on this. But if you can tell them anything about 92 and 93 and the World Series and Joe Carter jumping around, they're passionate about that. We can have as many go back to the 93 days as we want on a Saturday afternoon at Rogers Center. But the reality is there's a future to this team. It's a very bright future. They've hired, as you said, the, probably one of the better and most underrated manager candidates of the entire league. And, and I think there's a really huge future. The Jays fans need to do their research. They need to learn about their prospects. They need to learn about the coaches coming in. And they need to give Shapiro and Atkins a little bit of a break here because this is, this is a new culture. It's a culture that we've never seen before in Toronto since probably the early days when they brought up Barfield and Bell and all of those guys. So it's, it's a different world. We're not acquiring players all over the place. Instead, they're grooming them and bringing them up themselves, but just as exciting a future as if we made trades and signed free agents. Well, I mean, I think a lot of the more passionate fans now don't, weren't alive for those days when we were bringing up these top prospects. And so they're not used to it. They were, they're used to what they're used to is Anthopolis making some insane trades to get a Josh Donaldson, to get a Troy Tulowitzki, even though Tulowitzki's <laughs> a flaming hot pile of garbage. But Troy at least that's what he's been for the Jays. His name is Dylan. And Bader. I'm not his afraid to say that. I mean, he is five. What? Oh, okay. Ah, that's not important. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. I've said it in how many episodes? That's, uh, this is the third episode that I've Once mentioned again, how Dylan's terrible Tulowitzki's been to the Blue Jays. As you can tell, <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan. Um, but anyway, Anthopolis has been, has been making deals for the Blue Jays. That's what most of the fans are used to. Um, and they have to realize that a huge part of winning in today's game is rebuilding. And but is it prospects. rebuilding, though? Like, so, it's funny because like said, I, I heard Shapiro say this, and I think a lot of people didn't pick up on this. But he said this in an earlier meeting or, or press conference at the end of the season. Maybe it was Atkins. Actually, I think it might have been Atkins that said it. But it was talking about the rebuild's already done. The rebuild was the part where – it was Atkins, yeah. That's true. Yeah, it was Atkins. Done. It was the part of losing. It was the last two years, acquiring prospects, doing things at the deadline. That's the rebuilding. Now at the po- this point, we're retooling to to build the future and, and bring up those prospects. Those first wave of prospects, the Vlad Juniors and the Bo Bichettes and the Kevin Biggios, they're ready. They're cooked. The oven is done, and they need to come up. But – you know, there's another wave behind that they're trying to build now as well. So, so really, you could say that that rebuild is done. The retooling is continuing, and eventually, this team is going to. I really think they're only maybe a year or two away from at least competing, and probably three away from a potential World Series appearance. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that, and I think that uh, that the Jays have had a sped up rebuild, if you even want to call it a rebuild, because. They haven't had the 100 lost seasons like the Astros did, right? They haven't been going through 17 years of rebuild like the like the Padres have, like the like the White Sox have. So I think it's a very it's Shapiro and Atkins did a great job. They realized that okay, we don't have the guys that are going to help us for are going to help us long term. They realized that after the 2016 season, and they've really done a great job of trying to get a competing team back yeah, on the field as soon as they can. 
Uh, moving on now, we're gonna kill two nice birds with one birds stone still. on this one. Uh, <laughs> EPA will be all over me. Also, don't um, throw rocks. The two GMs that have been hired. Sorry, you asked me to be on this. <laughs> the two GMs. I have, have to give hired. you advice as your father as well. I know, I know. I understand. Uh, the two GMs that have been hired in the past week, uh, Brody Van Wagenen, better than I, I would, right? I hope I did for the Mets, <laughs> and Mike Elias or Elias. Uh, really not good with names today. Don't know which one it is though, so I guess you can't blame me. Have both been hired as GMs. We'll get into Farhan Zaidi later. He's the president of baseball operations with the Giants. So, um. What are your thoughts on the Van Wagen and Well, I would say, say my thoughts were just simply spending 10 minutes trying to figure out how to pronounce his name. And beyond that, it was, uh, this is the guy that's <laughs> the agent, right? Yeah, that was, that I mean, it's such a Mets move, move to a hire an agent move. as a GM. Uh, and Scott like, Moritz saying that he didn't even, hadn't even heard of him until today, but he's sure he'll meet him is hilarious because we all know Scott Boris knew who he was and was just appalled that they would hire an agent as a GM, but... Uh... Well, who would? I mean, like, uh, uh, once you're an agent, you're always an agent. You, 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 you know your profession very well, and that profession is an agent. It's not a front office representative. You're going you're gonna to tend to lean towards the player because that's what you've been doing your entire career. That's, that's, how you, that's how you made your living. That's the Mets have ever met. It's like... Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Whatever that that's was. That's what they but... do. It's the New York Mets. If they can find a way to screw up baseball in their town, they'll do it. It's almost like they pander to the Yankees saying, here, here, we'll make this look terrible so you guys look even better. That's basically how they do it. And, you know, it really is the Metsiest thing ever. Well, yeah, I mean, no, I don't know of any other team that's as much of a train wreck as the Mets are and that would hire an agent as their GM. And I mean, the Mets were a reminder. The Mets were in the World Series two, three years ago, and look how far they've fallen now. They hired an agent as their GM. That that says a lot. Um, Mike Elias Elias. That's what I'm going to call him for the rest of the rest of the show. Thoughts on him? I mean, he was the Astros, the ex Astros, as his general manager. Now, uh, he clearly played a big role in the rebuild in the in the World Series title in 2017 i think so i think it's I gonna think help the o's on the hire. way really smart hire really if you're thinking about it he's the assistant gm of the houston astros how can you go wrong there you know much like the jays kind of taking a manager from a organization that is analytically driven but also likes old school baseball uh, it's going to be the same for for the orioles it's a it's a great hire whether they're going to be able to get past peter angelos and the meddling that he always does in that team I don't know. I highly doubt it, but uh, but I do believe that it was at least the right person to take into that job. And so now it's just a matter of making uh, making acquisitions that will better that team. Uh, yeah, I, I'd have to agree. But I mean, one of the candidates that was out there was Ben Charrington, and they didn't take Ben Charrington. And I was I thought I expected they would. Um, if it's possible that Ben Charrington refused. Um, but, I mean, I think Ben Sherrington would have been a good hire. I'm not saying he would have been better than Elias Elias, but, um, but I mean, Sherrington would have been a great guy to, to add to this team. I mean, he's, he's built teams from the ground up, and he said that's what he wants to do if, if and when he becomes yeah, a champion. Yeah, I agree. And I think Sherrington will. I think he just, you know, it's one of those things where 
he uh, he probably missed out on this one just simply because the Astros have had some winning ways over the last few years, and people are poaching from the organizations that win right now. There's a ton of teams in baseball that are retooling and rebuilding all at the same time, and they're trying to take executives from teams that have already won and won in different ways than ever before. So I think this is one of the this is one of those cases where Charrington just lost out based on that alone. Joe Espada, that's my next question. What happened to him? He was the front runner for every managerial job out there. He didn't get a single one of them. What's going on there? Is Espada just uh, is he that bad at interviewing that everyone expected he'd be the next manager of the Reds, of the Blue Jays, of uh, the Rangers, of every team that was looking for a manager? Yeah, and he hasn't yeah. got I the job yet. I think uh, he's probably one of the next on the list. Maybe he's not good at interviewing. I don't know. Um, you know, to see, I'm actually a little surprised that a Chris Woodward would get a manager's job in Texas ahead of, of Espada. But, you know, the the reality is, uh, you know, who knows what uh, what what he, he did or, or did not do in that interview process. Um, next topic we were gonna get to it before espada um but uh the giants hired faran zaidi as their president of baseball operations and uh i think it's a good hire i mean he helped i think he was a gm for the uh dodgers so they he clearly helped him help them build the team that's gone to two consecutive world series uh so i think it's 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 a good move for San Francisco, but my, I mean, my next question would be, what do uh, what what do the Giants do from here? Right? Do they uh, do they rebuild completely, or do they go for it now? And I think your answer is they rebuild. And I think Zaidi alluded to it a little bit in his introductory interview. I think that. Um, they're going to have to retool and rebuild and revamp the farm system that's been so garbage for years. So, I mean, I do believe that the next step for San Francisco for a winning team is rebuilding and trading guys like Madison Bumgarner, getting rid of Jeff Samarja somehow, getting rid of a Johnny Cueto once he's healthy again. You're going to have to rebuild. You're not going to be able to sign a Bryce Harper and compete again. I do think the Giants would be a great destination for Harper. I mean, they want him dearly. He's been their number. He's been their number one guy for for a couple of years now, and I just don't think that they're that they're going to get him. And I think that what's best for the Giants right now is a rebuild. And it's been one of the topics around baseball lately. But I think definitely it's going to be the rebuild. That's that's. But the help Giants them the are most the most non-rebuilding team ever. <laughs> I mean, I get that, right? But um, you look at the you look at the thirty seven year olds that they have now that consist of their entire team. Yeah, you got Mad Bum. He's still tremendous. Like, don't get me wrong, Madison Bumgarner is probably one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. But I mean, he's aging. Jeff Samarja, uh, what's happened to him? He was tremendous for years. Now he's not. Uh, Johnny Cueto's going through Tommy John. Like, you gotta you you're yeah, gonna have to rebuild. And why not jump on the rebuild train? Everybody else is. Yep, and that's what led to three 100-win teams this season. Being the Yankees, Red Sox, and Astros, in case well, any of you were unaware. Moving on to our final subject of the day. 
the latest free agency rumblings. Uh, Machado's being pursued by the Yankees. I think I didn't. I didn't predict that one. I mean, where where is he going to fit on that team? That's my question. Machado. Machado's not going to fit anywhere. Machado. I don't take Machado for a second anywhere. He well, I mean, well, I mean, the Yankees are, are pursuing him thoroughly right now, and I mean, I don't see where he fits. He doesn't want to play third. So, and you're not going to move Miguel Andujar, who's a rookie of the year finalist. He wants to play short. Didi Gregorius, I get he's up for all 2019, but Machado wants a long-term deal. And where do you put him once Gregorius gets back? And you don't want to trade away a talent like Gregorius, in my mind. I mean, I wouldn't want to trade away a Gregorius. You, he's not, Machado's not going to play second base. The guy's got a cannon. He's going to fire it over the first base at every time. Plus, you got Glaber Torres there. And then, I mean... Machado's not at your first baseman, so where does he fit on this well, team? I don't, I don't think anywhere. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I don't know where Machado fits. I actually don't even really know where Harper fits. But um, I mean, the well, Yankees I have said they're not going to go Bryce Harper. But Machado, we you know, the thing that, actually, is, before most sources, Machado, I, I really can't comment because I just think he's one of the worst out there. But uh, not he's, he's a great player, and he could have great potential. He just doesn't care. And I think if you give him a giant contract that's hundreds of millions of dollars, it's going to get way worse. I mean, you see it all the time. You see players get their big payday, and then they're not even half the player they were for the rest of that contract. And you think that Machado's not going to be one of those guys? Machado is <coughs> absolutely one of those guys. He's the definition of one of those guys. He's the definition definition of that guy. Because I know you like the Mets thing so much. I mean, we... I mean, we listened to Inside Pitch last Thursday or Friday, and they mentioned uh, how on earth would Gabe Kapler and Manny Machado get along if he plays for the Phillies, if he goes to the Phillies. Because, I mean, Machado said... I'm not the hustling type. Well, I mean, what other type are you in baseball? Like, the lazy type that doesn't make it anywhere? That's what Machado wants to be. And plus, Gabe Kapler is such a positive guy who enforces hustling on his players. Machado's the opposite. So what, is, what no do you idea. do in that situation? Um, Bryce Harper. No recent news in, in, on his front, I don't, I don't think. think. So. Scott Barnes, you're not going to see anything until January, probably. You'll see him be carted around the winter meetings in yep. December. Probably from team to team, there'll be a lot of rumors put out there, probably by Boris himself, and he'll meet with a lot of owners because he loves to skip the GMs, he loves to skip the even the presidents and go straight to ownership and try to sell his player. So until he's done that with as many teams as he can, until oh, he's Boris. built a market that he thinks is strong enough to get the dollars he's looking for, you're not going to see anything on Harper for a bit. I don't like Scott Morris. I mean, he does his job well, but I mean, I just don't like the guy. Um, predictions? I mean, you didn't really get a chance to give your predictions last week. That was our free agency show. We predicted yeah, Harper I goes predict to the that. Phillies. I predict everybody goes to the yeah. Phillies, so there you go. No, I'm, I'm serious that, that I think the Phillies are able <laughs> um, to, uh, to push now. I think uh, I think you'll see a number of signings. I, them. I Maybe agree, the yeah. biggest splash may be Harper, but, but I believe that they'll be in on pretty much everybody to bolster their team. They've got to surpass the Braves, who made a huge stride, especially with Acuna Jr. last year, and, and they're going to be good again. And I think Anthopolis is going to be the, the trading ninja again. And, and he'll be out there and, and doing his thing. So I think, you know, it's going to be between the Phillies and the Braves. I think that's where Donaldson goes, is the Braves. Um, he's, you don't. I don't. I don't. Well, you're wrong. No. <laughs> I mean, I, 
I don't know. I forget where we predicted him to go. It might have been the Braves, actually, last week. Um, but I think I think he could end up with the Braves. But I think the Cardinals are a strong. Well, the Cardinals wanted right him now. as a trade candidate. From what I'm I hearing, no, I don't know if he makes that team a lot better. It all depends. It all depends on the Donaldson you're getting. If you're getting the Donaldson from last year, you're getting the Donaldson from the end of the last year before that. You're not really getting much, and and you know I think you have to be no. worried if you're an executive that that's what you're going to possibly get with him. I'm thinking pillow contract for Donaldson one year at the most, and then he'll get a chance to rebuild his worth and and go back and hit the free agent market again next year. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, three free agent pitchers all have the Yankees in on them. J-Hap, Patrick Corbin, Dallas Keuchel. Yankees are in on all of them. Who is it the next Tough Yankee? call. Tough call. I think they like Hap. I think Hap did a lot for them down the stretch. But uh, I think that Keuchel is probably more a fit for them. I think he's a longer-term fit for them. I think Hap is probably maybe two at the most three or two plus an option on his contract. So I don't think the Yankees are looking to go there unless they can also get Hap on top of Keiko. Yeah. I mean, I think Keiko, I mean, it's not looking good for the Blue Jays in the future with all this pitching in the East. But I mean, I, I don't see a better fit for Dallas Keuchel than in New York, and I don't see a better fit for the Yankees than Dallas Keuchel. Um, any other rumors you'd like to throw All in? All seems before to be we, quiet uh, right now. Up? I mean, I think you're going to see the most rumors come closer to uh, the Vegas uh, GM meet or not GM meetings, sorry, winter meetings. And I think uh, I'm not even sure how much will actually happen at this winter meetings because the fact that it's being held in Vegas could make it interesting for executives trying to keep everybody in the same room. But I think you'll see a lot of rumors coming up in the next week or two. And, and as we get past American Thanksgiving, it'll really ramp up. And right now it's a little quiet. Yep. I would have to agree. So, this has been episode four of 211 Baseball Dad, Talk. We okay. certainly do hope you enjoyed. Okay. <laughs> we'll go, don't, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 211sports and go to our website at sites.google.com slash 211sports. For Dylan Baker and Chris Baker, 211sports.